Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, only you can steal. My soul is thirsty. Thank you, Jesus, for a brand new day. Lord, as I wake up this morning and I see the sun is rising, <laughs> I know that your covenant is still working. I know that you are still a faithful God. You said that as long as your covenant with the day and night, Lord, has not been broken. Lord, so that no one has been able to stop one from following the other. You said your covenant with David, your covenant with the Levites, your covenant with us are through the blood of Jesus. You said it cannot be broken. And so, Lord, as I wake up to see a brand new day, I say thank you. Thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for paying the price for my sins. Thank you for making it possible for me to come into the presence of God this morning. Thank you, Lord, for making it possible for me to be able to call him Father. Lord, I say thank you this morning. Receive all the praise. Uh, this morning, I worship you. I worship you because you are my Lord. You are my King. I declare that I love you. From the depth of my heart, Lord, I declare that I love you. Be glorified this morning in the precious name of Jesus. Lord, we have come. We have come once again to learn in your presence. We have come, Lord, to be blessed today. We ask, Lord, help our hearts to retain your word. And Lord, help us to learn in your presence today. But let your name alone be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. All right, let me say a good morning, a good afternoon, good evening to everyone listening in. I am Murphy Eye Nike sharing devotional with you today. Um, we continue our reading of the book of Second Kings. Yesterday we tried to take three chapters, chapters eight, nine, and ten, but we stopped on a verse. 20 on verse 19 so we'll be starting from yes right from there from verse 20 let me recap and remind us what was happening jehu yes who had been appointed elisha had anointed him to become king king over israel was executing what elijah as had prophesied. Remember Elijah's prophecy against Ahab? Remember how Ahab and his wicked wife Jezebel were just rampant, killing prophets right, left, and center, and it looked like there were no other prophets in the land? Yes, Elijah prophesied that look, Jehu's, um, Ahab's dynasty was going to be wiped out. He was going, he himself and his sons were going to die on the very land on which, you know, uh, they killed Naboth. He said, Elijah said that the body of his wife was going to be eaten by dogs. 
it looked like as if it was impossible. Yes, Ahab repented and God said it was not going to happen in his time, but his own sons, yes, were going to now eat hmm, the grapes, the sour grapes. Uh, they will feel the, uh, the sour grapes that their father has eaten. So that was what Jehu was executing to the point that Jehu would not leave the prophet. So yes, he would not leave the prophet of Baal. He would, he would deal with everything that you can be traced, that you can trace uh, to, uh, to Ahab. Quite, quite outstanding. All right. So today we'll try and take three chapters also uh, and see how fast we can go through our reading of the Bible. All right. We stopped on chapter verse 19. So please join me back on verse 19. It says, Therefore, summon all the prophets. It was Jehu that was speaking to the people. Summon all the prophets and worshippers of Baal and call together all his priests. See to it that every one of them comes, for I am going to offer a great sacrifice to Baal. Anyone who fails to come will be put to death. But Jehu, uh, Jehu's cunning plan was to destroy all the worshippers of Baal. Verse 20, Then Jehu ordered prepare a solemn assembly to worship Baal. So they did. Hmm. He sent messengers throughout all Israel, summoning those who worshipped Baal. They all came. Not a single one remained. And they filled the temple of Baal from one end to the other. And Jehu instructed the keeper of the wardrobe, be sure that every worshipper of Baal wears one of these robes. So robes were given to them, and I'm wondering, they are thinking, ah, it seems that this dispensation of this guy is going to start on a wonderful note. They want to start giving us robes. They didn't know that it is the robe of their destruction they were about to wear. Hmm. Verse 23 says, Then Job went into the temple of Baal with Jehonadab, son of Rechab. Jehu said to the worshippers of Baal, Make sure no one who worships the Lord is here, only those who worship Baal. So they were all inside the temple to offer sacrifices and burnt offerings. Now Jehu had stationed 80 of his men outside the building and had warned them, If you let anyone escape, you will pay for it with your own life. As soon as Jehu had finished sacrificing the burnt offering, yes, obviously they didn't know what was about to happen. They thought the king was on their side and that he, he had really, yes, turned to start worshipping Baal, Baal himself. So as soon as Jehu had finished sacrificing the burnt offering, he commanded his guards and officials, go in and kill all of them. Don't let a single one escape. So they killed them all with their swords and the guards and officers dragged their bodies outside. Then Jehu's men went into the innermost fortress of the temple of Baal. They dragged out the sacred pillars they used in the worship of Baal and burnt it. So the sad thing is, look at the way they are desecrating Baal's temple. And Baal cannot do anything. <laughs> I don't know how people can worship idols. So the Bible says idols are nothing. Okay, They are just images. Uh, but yes, there are idols that are linked to demons, okay? 
and I'm thinking, uh, of course, Baal was one of them. But because this man is executing the counsel of God, there was nothing the devil could do. I'm telling you, there was nothing any demon could do. So, yes, they burnt it. Verse 27, they smashed the sacred pillars and wrecked the temple of Baal, converting it into a public toilet. Hey! As it remains to this day, in this way, Jehu destroyed every trace of Baal's worship, uh, Baal, Baal worship from Israel. He did not, however, destroy the golden calves of Bethel and Dan, with which Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had caused Israel to sin. And I'm telling you, uh, this would be a big lesson for me. As we move away from Jehu, you will see that, look, um, these kings will start coming consecutively. But you will always see something against their name. It will always be they did, some of them did well, but some of them did well, but would that be uh, the te- your own testimony? Would that be what will be said concerning you? That you served God, but you will stand before God. God will say, Yes, you were my child on her too, but ah, no, that won't be you. In the mighty name of Jesus. He said, but, but he didn't destroy the golden calves at Bethel and Dan. And because he didn't do that, I'm telling you, uh, the worship of these things will always find a way. Demonic worship will always find a way of raising its head. Verse 30 says, nonetheless, the Lord said to Jehu, you have done well in knowing, in following my instruction to destroy the family of Ahab. Therefore, your descendants will be king of Israel down to the fourth generation. Hmm. You see the blessing eh, that God gave him. And I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Yes, Jehu's generation to the fourth generation will be king. But Jehu did not obey the law of the Lord, the God of Israel, with all his heart. He refused to turn from the sins that Jehoram had led Israel to commit. So why, obviously, remember, he was just a soldier, right? He wasn't really somebody trying to provoke the nation to a revival. He was just trying to carry out what God has said. And I'm telling you, big lessons for me. Okay, so even though he did well, at the same time he didn't do so well because he refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam had led Israel to commit. And what was that sin? It was the sin of idolatry. So while destroying Baal, he was worshipping those two golden calves. So verse 32 says, At about that time, the Lord began to cut down the sides of Israel's territory. King Ahaziah conquered several sections of the country east of the Jordan River, including all of Gilead, Gad, Reuben, and Manasseh. He conquered the area from the town of the town of Aura by the Anon Gorge to as far north as Gilead and Bashan. The rest of the events in Jehu's reign, everything he did and all his achievements are recorded in the books of the history of the kings of Israel. When Jehu died, he was buried in Samaria. Then his son, Jehoahaz, became the next king. In all, Jehu reigned over Israel from Samaria for 28 years. So I'm telling you from here, we'll see how things just begin to take off. Jehu did his best, and I'm sure are big lessons for us to learn from him. But I did mention about that woman, Ataliah, right? Ah, you will see her. She was worse than Jezebel. 
I'm telling you. So let's read on 2 Kings chapter 11, when Ataliah, the mother of King Ahaziah of Judah, learned that her son was dead, she began to destroy the rest of the royal family. But Ahaziah, uh, Ahaziah's sister, Jehoshabab, the daughter of King Jehoram, took Ahaziah's infant son, Joash, and stole him away from among the rest of the king's children who were about to be killed. She put Joash and his nurse in the bedroom and they hid him from Ataliah. So the child was not murdered. So you can see how wicked this woman was, right? She totally killed all the children. Everyone that could be traced, that they could call and say could become king, she killed all of them. Joash uh, remained hidden in the temple of the Lord for six years. Well, Ataliah rode over the land. Yes, he's a woman, not a man. In the sixth year of Ataliah's reign, Jehoadad, uh, uh, the priest, summoned the commanders, the Karite mercenaries, and the palace guards who come to the temple of the Lord. He made a solemn pact with them and made them swear an oath of loyalty there in the Lord's temple. Then he showed them the king's, the king's son. I'm telling you, you see this guy called Jehoadah. I'm telling you, he's one of the strongest character you will ever read about in the Bible. Please mark this name and make up your mind that you will study about this man. He was fantastic. Verse 5, Jehoadad uh, told them, this is what you must do. A third of you who are on duty on the Sabbath are to guard the royal palace itself. Another third of you are to stand guard at the saw gate. And the, the final third uh, must stand guard behind the palace guard. This three group will all guard the palace. The other two units who are off duty on the Sabbath must stand guard for the king at the Lord's temple. Form a, a bodyguard around the king and keep your weapons in hand. Kill anyone who tries to break through. Stay uh, with the king wherever he goes. So the commander did everything as Jehoadad, the priest, ordered. The Commanders uh, took charge of the men reporting for duty that Sabbath, as well as those who were going off duty. They brought them all to Jehoadad the priest, and he supplied them with the spears and small sheep that had once belonged to King David and were stored in the temple in the temple of the Lord. The palace guards stationed themselves around the king with their weapons ready. They formed, they formed a line from the south side of the temple around to the north side and all around the altar. Then Jehoadad brought out Joash, <laughs> the king's son, placed the crown on his head and presented him with a copy of God's law. This guy was just fantastic. And I'm telling you, because of him, you will see that the nation will go to a time into a time of revival. Presented him with a copy of God's law. They anointed him and proclaimed him king. And everyone clapped their hands and shouted, Long live the king. Hmm. When Ataliah heard the noise made by the palace guards and the people, she hurried to the Lord's temple to see what was happening. When she arrived, she saw the newly crowned king standing in his place of authority by the pillar, as was the custom at times of coronation. The commanders had the commanders and trumpeters were surrounding him and people from all over the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. When Ataliah saw all this, she tore her clothes in despair and shouted, treason, treason, 
Jehohadad, the priest, ordered the commanders who were in charge of the troops, take her to the soldiers in front of the temple and kill anyone who tries to rescue her. For the priest had said she must not be killed in the temple of the Lord. Remember how <laughs> Solomon, you know, desecrated the tabernacle then because he wanted to kill Joab. <laughs> he said, no, don't kill her here. Take her outside. So they seized her and led her out to the gate where uh, where Osis entered the palace ground and she was killed. She was killed there. Then Jehohadad made a covenant between the Lord. I'm telling you, this guy will not just bring, uh, because the king will be, uh, he will become king at a very young, young age. He was just six, six, seven. Uh, but this man will be such a wonderful guide and i'm praying for everyone you know listening and god will give you someone like this ah yes god will give you a jehoadad in your life in the name of jesus he said then jehoadad made a covenant between the lord and the king and the people that they would be the lord's people he also made a covenant between the king and the people and all the people of the land went over to the temple of baal and tore it down did you did you see this guy wonderful they demolished the altars and smashed the idols to pieces uh, and they killed matan the priest of baal in front of the altar jehoadad the priest stationed guards at the temple of the lord then the commander the karite mercenaries the palace guards and all the people of the land escorted the king from the temple of the lord they went through the gates of the guards and into the palace and the king took his seat on the royal throne so all the people of the land rejoiced and the city was peaceful because Ataliah had been killed at the king's palace. Johash was seven years old when he became king. I'm telling you, Ataliah was very, was so terrible. But remember, God already declared, okay, only kings, okay, they were only going to be kings, not queen. But Ataliah, <laughs> being a woman, I was a powerful woman when she was king for mm, yes six seven years uh, but uh, they knew what they were doing they just needed enough time for this boy to grow so Joash was seven years old when he became king and I'm telling you his reign would be so wonderful uh, the only person's reign I can I can say was as long as as is would maybe be Uzziah Yes, so Joash began to rule. Let's read from verse now. Let's go to chapter 12. He said, Joash began to rule over Judah uh, in the seventh year of King Jehu's reign in Israel. So, this is one of the best times, right? Where both Israel and Judah, you know, will have, in a sense, good kings. He reigned in Jerusalem 40 years. His mother was a Zibia from Beersheba. All his life, Joash did what was pleasing in the Lord's side. Did you hear that? All his life, he did what was pleasing in the Lord's side because Jehoadad, the priest, instructed him. Hmm. Ah, God will give you a Jehoadad in the name of Jesus. Somebody who will be a guide for you. God will give your children a Jehoadad. Someone who will be a guide for them in the name of Jesus. I pray for you. God will make you a Jehoadad in the name of Jesus. See, did you hear that? The king did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight because of this man. Ah, God will make you someone like this. In the name of Jesus. It says, yet even so, he did not destroy the pagan shrine and the people still offered sacrifices and burnt incense there. Remember that this pagan shrine started from Solomon. Imagine how long 
big lessons you have, the things that you are starting today, you don't know how long they will last. So please uh, be very careful. Say one day King Johash said to the priest, collect all the money uh, brought as a sacred offering to the Lord's temple, uh, whether it is a regular assessment, a payment of vow, or a voluntary gift. Let the priest take some of that money to pay to pay for whatever 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 repairs are needed at the temple. But by the twenty third year of Joash reign, the priest still uh, had not repaired the temple. So King Joash called for Jehoadad and the other priests and asked them, "Why haven't you repaired the temple? Don't use any more money for your own own needs. From now on, it must all be spent on temple repairs." So the priest agreed not to accept any more offering from the people and they also agreed to let others uh, take responsibility for repairing the temple then Jehoadad the priest bore a hole in the lid of a large chest and set it on the right side yes something like what we call yeah in uh, in Yoruba land we call it kolo mm-hmm. and set it on the right side of the altar this one was a big one no? <laughs> yes on the right side right hand side of the altar at the entrance of the temple of the Lord. The priest guarding the entrance put all of the people's contribution into the chest. Whenever uh, the chest became full, the court secretary and the high priest counted the money that had been brought to the Lord's temple and put it into, into bags. Then they gave the money uh, to, the, to the construction supervisor who used it uh, to pay the people working on the Lord's temple the carpenters are the builders so yes i learned one thing here you see the way they separated things when they were doing the work those that were collecting the money are different from those who recorded the money are different from those who the money are then handed over to you know to pay the workers and i'm telling you big lessons if you have a business uh, this is how you should set you should set up uh, that way there will be accountability and there will be checks and balances verse 12 says the masons and the stone cutters they also use the money to buy the timber and the finished stone needed for repairing the lord's temple and they paid any other expenses related to the temple restoration the money harvested in the money brought to the temple was not used for making silver bowls was not used for making silver bowls lamp snuffers basins trumpets or other articles of gold or silver for the temple of the lord it was paid to the workmen who used it for the temple repairs no accounting of this money was required from the construction supervisor because they were honest and trustworthy men. However, however, the money uh, that was contributed for guilt offering and sin offering was not brought into the lost temple. It was given to the priests for their own care. Alright, so uh, verse 17 says about this time King Ahaziah of Aram went to war against Gath and captured it. Then he turned to attack Jerusalem. King Johash collected all the sacred objects that Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, and Ahaziah, the previous kings of Judah, had dedicated, along with what he himself had dedicated. He sent them all to Ahaziah, along with all Yes, all the gold in the treasuries of the Lord's temple and the royal palace. palace. So Ahaziah called off his attack on Jerusalem. The rest 
of the events in Johashrin and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. So yes, that is actually the book of Chronicles. So we're still going to read about all of this again in the book of Chronicles. Verse 20, Johash officers plotted against him and assassinated him at Beth Milo on the road to Selah. The assassins were Josaka, son of Shimeath, and Jehozabad, son of Shoma, both trusted advisors. May God not give you this kind of men. May God not give you men that like Josaka, son of Shimeath, and Jehozabad. Okay, they were trusted advisors, but they killed, they killed their king in the hand. It's both trusted advisors. Johash was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Then his son, Amaziah, became the next king. All right, let's move on to chapter 13. Uh, this one promises to be interesting. Okay, so um, let's read. Jehoahaz, son of Jehud, began to rule over Israel in the 23rd year of King Johash. I reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 17 years, but he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He followed the example of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, remember, just like his father Jehu, continuing, in, continuing the sin that Jeroboam had led Israel to commit. I don't, I'm not sure if, I'm sure Jeroboam would be turning in his grave. As these things were happening, you would just be wondering, ah, if I had known. I would not have set up those two, those two uh, golden calves, you know, uh, to provoke Israel to come and worship, come and worship in Israel. Big lesson, so that when you are doing things, you always have to be careful. Always have to be careful. Say so. The Lord was very angry with Israel, and He allowed King Ahaziah of Aram and his son Ben Ben Hadad to defeat them repeatedly. Okay, so this Ahaziah, you know, uh, not only uh, dealt with uh, Jeho Ahaz, you know, um, remember that it was Ahaziah, Jehu, and Elisha that were anointed together. So he had dealt with Johash, the king of Judah. Now he's dealing with Jehu's son, Jeho Ahaz. Okay, so obviously that guy would have been very, very powerful. So Lord God, God allowed, because of the idolatry, the Bible says God allowed, you know, Ahaziah, you know, and his son Ben-Hadad, you know, to defeat them repeatedly. Verse 4 says, then Jehoahaz prayed for the Lord's help. Hmm. So the king himself turns to God, and the Lord heard his prayer, for he could see how severely the king of Aram was oppressing Israel. So the Lord provided someone to rescue the Israelites from the tyranny of the Arameans. Then Israel lived in safety again as they had in former days. So yes, God answers prayers. God answered the prayer of this king who was not really following God diligently. God answered his prayer. How much more? the prayer of the children of God. Verse 6 says, But they continue to sin. Yes, the nation continued to sin. Following the evil examples of Jeroboam, they also allowed the Asherah poles in Samaria to remain standing. Finally, Jehoiah's army was reduced to 50 chariots, 10 chariots, and 10,000 foot soldiers. Can you imagine how small 
the defenses of the nation has been reduced to. And this is what idolatry does. I'm telling you, it will keep your eyes focused on what you should not be focused on. Remember, compare this army to what David had, to what even Saul had. So what Solomon had, uh, this is embarrassing. He said 10 chariots, just 10 chariots and 10,000 foot soldiers. The king of Aram had killed the others, trampling them like dust under his feet. The rest of the events of, of the events in Jehoahaz's reign, everything he did and the extent of his power are recorded in the books of the history of the kings of Israel. When Jehoahaz died, he was buried in Samaria. Then his son Jehoahash Jehoash became the next king. So like I said, there is a consecutive running of kings coming and going. Then uh, Je- verse 10 says, Jehoash, son of Jehoahaz, to, began to rule over Israel in the 37th uh, year of King, Je- of, of king Jehoahaz. Jehoash reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria sixteen years, but he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. I'm telling you, all this time Elijah is still alive. For Elisha is still alive. For he refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebath, had led Israel to commit. The rest of the events in uh, Jehoash reign and everything he did, um, including the extent of his power and his war with King Amaziah of Judah, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Jehoash died, he was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. Then his son, Jeroboam II, Jeroboam II, anyway, but Jeroboam II became the next king. So, at this point, okay, uh, this is when Elisha would then, would then pass on. And I'm telling you, uh, <laughs> Elisha had lived to see so many kings and continue to provide guidance. So, like I said, he always focused more with the majority of the kings of Israel. But, of course, when the kings of Judah began to marry the children of the king of Israel, yes, uh, <laughs> both of them needed needed the prophet to speak to them. Verse 14 says, when Elisha was in his last in, 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 his, in his last illness, King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioters of Israel. He cried. I don't know whether anyone told him what Elisha said to Elijah. <laughs> Most likely. Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. Elisha told him, put your hand on the bowl. And Elisha laid his his own hand on the king's hand. Then he commanded, "Open that east that eastern window." And he opened it. Then he said, "Shoot!" So he shot an arrow. Elisha proclaimed, "This is the this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram, for you will completely conquer the Arameans at Afek." Ha! Then he said, "Now pick up." the other arrows and strike them against the ground so the king picked them up and struck the ground three times but the man of god was angry with him you should have struck the ground five or six times he exclaimed then you would have beaten aram until it was entirely destroyed now you will be victorious only three times then elisha died and was buried wow so 
Yes, I did say that, you know, everything that Elijah did, Elisha did twice. So Elijah, Elijah raised the dead once. Up to now, Elisha has read the dead once. You will see what is going to happen. <laughs> See, then Elisha died and was buried. Groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring. Once, when some Israelites were burying a man, despite a band of despite a band of these raiders, so they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and fled. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bone, <laughs> the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. Wow! This guy carried his anointing to the grave. Hmm. King Ahaziah of Aram had oppressed Israel uh, during the entire reign of King Jehoahaz. But the, but the Lord was gracious. Yes, the Lord was gracious and merciful to the people of Israel. And they were not totally destroyed. He pitied them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And to this day, he still has not completely destroyed them or banished them from his presence. King Ahaziah of Aram died, and his son Ben-Hadad became the next king. Then Jehoash, son of Jehoahaz, recaptured from Ben-Hadad, son of Azael, the towns that had been taken from Jehoash's father, Jehoahaz. Uh, Jehoahaz. Jehoash defeated Ben-Hadad on three occasions, and he recovered the Israelite town. Alright, so that concludes our reading today. Um, quite interesting uh, read, fights here and there. But if there's one lesson I want to take, I want to take the lesson from Elisha's, Elisha's life. Uh, for whatever reason, obviously you know of Gehazi, right? Gehazi was not a good, was not a good servant. And so because of that, Elisha had to take his anointing to the grave. Elijah handed his over to Elisha, but because Gehazi had not proven himself to be to be a good servant, Elijah, Elisha had to leave it, had to take it with him. And so when they even put a dead body inside the grave, there it raised that dead body up. Big lessons big lessons. Let's pray as we go. Father, Lord, I declare a blessing today over your people. We have learned so much today. Lord, help us become doers of these words in the name of Jesus. I pray for them, Lord, bless today for them. Let somebody return with increase. Let somebody return with blessings in the name of Jesus. Take someone deeper in their work with you. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Enjoy your day.